Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Good to have you here with us. We've got our counterpoint all lined up. we got John Mraz, former Liberal War Room director in the House. Hello there. Hey-ho. Bill Hutchison in studio, former broadcaster, longtime journalist, and a professor now over at Seneca. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Let's talk about the uh, Globe and Mail again dropping uh, this little revelation that the Prime Minister's office is using a private party database called Liberalist to do background checks on candidates for judicial appointments. And it's a tool... Um, that they would use, let's say, on a campaign to track donors and voters and who they you know, can hit up or knock on the door of. But they're apparently using this to see, hmm, would that would-be judge have supported the Liberal Party? What kind of donation might they give? Or are they one of those conservative types? Liberals will tell you, John, that this is all very normal, but those in legal circles are saying, excuse me, huh, what? Look, it shouldn't be very normal. All three parties have database uh, software, by the way, all emanating from the states. Two of them are using the same uh, same manufacturers, and I'm not going to name them because I don't think there's anything wrong with their software. And every time that we would prepare when I was working on the Hill uh, for a prime minister or a minister, every time you even did an event for a minister, you would vet everybody through what was a different software. But For political donations for, and you political You just always parties? want to know what everybody's political. Now, should they be doing it? Absolutely not. But here's what I think is more interesting about this story. That and another story today in the press, which revealed the 20,000 documents that should not have been leaked and were, were supposed to be secure, had been accessed by people who shouldn't have accessed them, proves to me that somebody very close to Where? Trudeau... It, it, just, just give us a little more clarification. So I, what, I don't know what, what broke today in another story was that 20,000 classified documents, for lack of a better term, were made available to the public and accessible when they should not have been, and the PMO, PCO should have been protecting that, which means that there's a security breach. This happens all the time. But the fact these stories are leaking, and this, just let me get to my point, I'm sorry I've been slow about it, is somebody around Trudeau, or maybe several people around Trudeau, are leaking and hurting their, and my party, my former party, the Liberal Party, has had a history of this, the Martin Kretschan Clone Wars, as I called them, where people were leaking on each other all the time. This is a great advantage to the Conservatives and the NDP, who right now have terrific discipline. They have terrific party discipline. So the story doesn't concern me as much as the fact that the Prime Minister can't trust the people around him not well, to dish. Please. It, the, the story does concern me because it's one of now, what, three or four that we're, we're hearing about where the Prime Minister's office is meddling with the rule of law, interfering in the judicial process. And for anybody who screamed, you know, blue murder about Stephen Harper having partisan, um, you know, uh, preferences on the bench, th- this should be even more horrifying. Oh, it is. Absolutely. It, it is. Something that every Canadian should be concerned about. Uh, first of all, yes, it's every party has their own list of donors and they know who's been donating and that's reasonable. But when you start using that to, to decide who's going to be on the bench, then you've got a problem there. And when the, when the Globe and Mail went through and, and looked at the actual numbers, they found that 90% of the money that had been donated to political parties, yeah. 90%. Of the three hundred twenty thousand, actually three hundred twenty thousand, had gone to the Liberal Party. So clearly, if you wanted to be on the bench, you donate to the Liberal Party, and that's the flip side of this. Now, if I'm, I'm a lawyer, say, and I, I decide I want to be a judge, 
hmm, who should I donate to? So now, what, am I effectively buying a, a spot on the bench? I mean, that's that's going to give me an advantage over another lawyer who wants to be a judge? Well, Jody Wilson-Raybould, I mean, as we learned in another leak three weeks ago, remember there was the judge that, uh, is it Loyal, Joyal? Joyal, He was her pick for one of the, mm-hmm. the seats, and that was overridden by Trudeau, um, and because he was a conservative. But more to the point that she had tried to uh, step in and take the prime minister out of this process to depoliticize it. And of course, we know where she ended up. So she actually tried to stop this very kind of thing from happening. So two points here. One, let's speak to that one first. Uh, I maintain, as I did a couple months ago on the show, that there should be a third party agency that oversees and picks and selects and nominates judges Right. Well, isn't Third that party, what Kim no, Campbell's like, doing? That's that? the, the justice. Uh, I mean, isn't but Kim Campbell the advisory committee? But I want to frighten you guys a little more. Let's get back to the software. I, I, I don't think you guys understand. The software no. doesn't just tell you if you donated to the Liberal Party or if you are a marked Liberal voter who was reminded to vote on Election Day. It will also tell you whether if if the Liberal Party, if we knew, and I've used this software, whether you're a conservative or an NDP, what kind of car you drive, how old you are, how old your children are, where do they go to school, your policy sure. interests, your issues, what you subscribe to, what magazine how much money you make, how old you are. Mm. They have this a is comprehensive software. Are you shocked they have and a database in, fact, in 2019? I saw this leak. Oh, of course, data is everything. We're not shocked. But I want to remind people, right, when you answer those questions to a liberal or a conservator or an NDP operative, they are taking notes and it is all entered. Mm-hmm. And it's now done by auto-record voice. They don't even have to take notes. So let me finish. What's What occurred to me is that in their selection or in the process for selecting new sui jurai or, or judges as they're known, uh, they may very well be looking at that list not to find out if the person voted liberal, but to make sure the person didn't vote in any direction at all so they cannot be accused of cronyism. And so it just so happens that 90% of donations went to the liberal party. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. That's the, the PMO's argument is we just want to make sure there's no extremist mm-hmm. political where else should there. they go, Bill? The... the uh, when I apply for a <laughs> job, it's no apply. one's business who I vote for. And but so the, when you're you're at that level, if you're a judge, it's none of your business who what lawyers vote for, or who the, they vote for. The process should have weeded yeah. out anybody who has extremist views to start with. Yeah. This is all about... Are you a liberal or not? Uh, yeah. And we'll point you to the bench. Will you there. carry our water? Yeah. Uh, Board of Health Chair Joe Cressy, who's a Toronto City Councillor uh, and the Toronto's Medical Officer of Health, uh, sounding the alarm about the Ontario's um, government's proposed $1 billion cut to public health. And this, this will affect programs like uh, student nutrition, vaccinations, daycare inspections, food safety, outbreaks, uh, dental services. And here's Mr. Cressy, you know, his measured response. The programs Toronto Public Health runs are in every single corner of our city. They impact the lives of every single Torontonian in our city. And I say this without one ounce of exaggeration. Because of these cuts, Torontonians will die. Die. I thought we were metric. He's He's still measuring an imperial. You know, Bill, to suggest that they can't find savings. I mean, the province has taken over dental for low-income people. Uh, you can get a vaccination soon at your pharmacist. There are a lot of services that the city doesn't need to take care of. And my suggestion is don't double your staffing costs. And why don't you get rid of the sanctuary city? There's some cost savings. Exactly. And and I, I took a look at what Toronto Public Health does. And, and there are some things on there. Like they, they did an in-depth study of the health impact of artificial turf. <laughs> and they found, guess what? There's no health impact. That there are no more injuries. There's no contaminants that come from it. And they found there's a whole kinds of all kinds of studies that have already been done on this. Sure, there so is. If it you hurts more do, when if you, you land. If you didn't, 
if you didn't do studies like that, I'm not saying that, that that's going to pay for all of the breakfast programs that you have for kids, but of course they get out in public and they say, we're going to have to cancel the breakfast programs for kids because, you know, we Because they won't cancel like yeah. two of their staff. If they cut, if they cut some of the, the waste, and yeah, to your point, I also saw all kinds of pamphlets and warnings uh, on their website about the health effects of cannabis, telling pregnant women you shouldn't smoke a lot Don't of cannabis. If you smoke a lot of cannabis, if you get stoned, you shouldn't be driving. Well, guess what? You're getting that same message from the federal government, from the provincial government. Why does Toronto Public Health have to to duplicate everything? Well, that's the thing. There are so many redundancies. Like, why do they need? Why do we need to rely on them for our nutritional skills? They've got something called Google that does it, and we've got the Canadian Food Guide that you know tells us only to eat vegetables and shop at Whole Foods. Well, as long as those products are produced by the Weed Board or the Dairy Milk Association or that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, Bill, did they advise uh, pregnant women to instead eat gummy bears? You know, the pot gummy bears that everybody's (laughs) talking about? Mm. Uh, No. Look, the administration of Toronto Public Health is one thing. Let's talk about the politics of the issue. Doug Ford comes to the table just a few days ago and says, here is a real transit plan for Toronto. I think the only thing I was missing in my wish list was there should be a stop right on the island at the airport, right? So he comes up with this plan. You almost got one. Gordon Perks and Joe Cressy, Fate Love Him, who we were just listening to, said, this is just imaginary lines on a map. Well, I spoke to some experts. They're not imaginary lines on a map. It was actually apparently a pretty well-conceived engineering plan. So that pleases Toronto voters. Then you come back the next week and say, but I'm going to take away money from your health care. And most voters do not understand the vagaries that you guys just discussed and the weeds or AstroTurf or anything. All they hear is less money for health care. So Doug gives with one hand and taketh from the other. That's bananas. No, who he, is, if you look who? at the bloated bureaucracy of, of Toronto Public Health and the, the project creep, all the things they've gotten into. I'm not that, arguing. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I'm talking about... The politics Like No, I'm talking about working families who race to get their kids to school in the morning, go to work for eight or nine hours, then take their kids to soccer or whatever, then come home and get about two minutes to digest the news before their kids want to play Fortnite or watch TV with them. Health all they hear is cancelled health care. And then we get this these was And dire warnings right. that people are going to die in the streets. And wow. he and he's not walking that back. I think it's highly irresponsible for that. anyone to walk around mm-hmm. saying people are going to die. That is, that is blatant BS. Well, I mean, if you want to become... A socialist, but like Joe Cressy, you've already died a spiritual death anyway. So, yeah. oh, okay. 829 on that note. Uh, let's uh, take a quick break. Are we looking at a possible new plastic tax? Yeah, not the carbon tax. That's a whole other tax, a plastic tax. That report quietly making its way out. We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. All right, we got John Raz and Bill Hutchison here in studio for Counterpoint. Read this article uh, in Black Lock Report, uh, which, if you don't have it, it's uh, kind of inside Ottawa um, journalism blog. Um, they bring up the issue, you know, are Trudeau liberals eyeing a new plastic tax? And it was released in a study that was done for Environment Canada. So it was done very, uh, very quietly. And it states pretty clearly that Parliament should consider a plastic tax. And since, of course, plastic is in almost every item that we touch, that's big cost because we produce 3.2 billion tons of plastic a year. And our industry, the Canadian plastics industry, sells 35 billion worth of plastic a year. Um, and this is the first time we've seen, Bill, this kind of report done on this, incre- you know, speaking about increased taxes and fees and or banning plastics from landfills. And look, I hate plastic too. I think there are many ways that we can get rid of plastics. Taxing people for it is not the answer. No, and, and obviously 
this may be a trial balloon. I don't know if they'll actually go through with it. If they get reelected, perhaps they'll go ahead with a a plastic tax. It'd be a huge revenue uh, gain. I look around this room and I see all kinds of plastic here and I can't imagine how you get by without plastic. It'd be another industry they would kill. Well, yeah, the oil industry. Yeah, it's it's just like the oil industry. Well, and petroleum is a source for a lot of of plastic that's made. It's just, it's a ridiculous idea. Uh, Yes, I see you want to reduce plastic and there's a lot of overpackaging. And in fact, uh, someone uh, was telling me that they ordered a joint from the federal, from from the government and it came wrapped in in two layers of plastic. (laughs) So it's ridiculous for them to say, we're going to tax plastic, but we're going to, we're going to sell your your marijuana in, in plastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to me because I think there are a lot of easier ways to go after plastic production. Um, but if you read this report, you know, the, the people in receipt of this report being, I guess, in the environment ministry, were very excited about getting people on board of paying more for plastic. I think, uh, Bill, first of all, that person who I think I know actually said it was wrapped in six layers of plastic. Mm-hmm. I. I imagine How long did it take you to open? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I, can, I could only ask that person. I could never surmise. Okay. But uh, I, uh, I, I would say this. Um, I don't understand the need for tax. Straws, as you know, have been taken off the menu, pardon yeah. the pun, across nope. province. And nobody died. That was a lot of plastic that didn't need to be used. I mean, I, I think at least for me, because I'm not that coordinated, I have an increased dry cleaning bill. Uh, and, uh, and I do a little more laundry because I, I spill without Get a, a straw. Get a sippy cup. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not a bad idea. Of course, that's made out of plastic. Too, but but, it's reuse of these. Uh, places that have fought plastic effectively, like just imagine this, and I know everybody would whinge for a week and then they'd get used to it. How about at all the supermarkets, you just eliminate plastic bags? They just don't even offer them. And so everybody goes and they get there and they say, all right, you got to carry it out. However you want to carry it out, just do it. Bring your own Tupperware, fill up whatever you need. And within a week or two, people would bring in their own bags. And that would be the the end of it. The city did that a number of years ago. They slapped that, right? They put a a tax on it and people did go to canvas bags. I I am actually making a conservative argument. Forget the tax because people didn't care. They just paid the 10 cents. Nobody really cared. They just went, whatever, whatever it was, or two cents or, or eight. Whatever it was, it just got added to your grocery, $200 weekly shop for your family, whatever. But you whatever. can make uh, biodegradable uh, plastic bags. How about just wipe them out? Why don't you just make biodegradable plastic bags? Just, I just think problem. you should Why level a tax on everybody to the point we go broke and then we don't have to worry about plastic because they're already dead. We're going to tax the air soon. There you go. All right. I think we already do. I think that's called don't the give them a, yeah, carbon tax. It's a carbon tax. Um, the Ford government proposing to end the OHIP um, coverage that you would get on out-of-country medical costs. As of 2018, the Auditor General reporting, we pay $9 million a year in emergency out-of-care medical claims. And I looked at this and I went, I had no idea. <laughs> I don't, I travel and I buy travel insurance and I don't care. This to me is not a necessity and yet people are still outraged. Most people don't even know they get OHIP exactly. coverage. It's $400 a day. If you, if you get taken to a hospital down the States, that didn't pay a couple of Band-Aids. Yeah. But the other thing is that most people book their travel with their credit card. If they check their tra- credit card, mine gives me $5 million worth of, of, of travel insurance right. uh, just by booking with that, that credit card. Uh, it's, it's just, it's not necessary. And to to administer that $9 million worth of claims, they spent $2.8 million in administration costs. That's ridiculous. A third of the cost, uh, again, just in the administration cost. And the average uh, claim was for $127. Yeah. Really? So how much of an impact is this? Is this going to devastate somebody uh, financially? No, it's not. No, but if you're traveling, you should buy your own travel insurance, and it's going to cost you between 2 and 5% of the cost of your flight. So it's going to be maybe a $1,000 flight is going to cost you maybe $30, $40, $50 extra. So buy your own travel insurance. Yeah, look, it's it's $9 bucks. It do, it's not a huge amount of money, but to me, John, it's this is the easy stuff. Get rid of it. We don't need it.
I, I agree with you both. I think what's interesting about the story, uh, there's two there's two notes here that interest me. One is it was under my Karis that the, what you could get was originally diminished. And in fact, that, and so what emerged from that was organizations like the Snowbirds, mm. where you have 89,000 or 90,000 seniors who like to spend their time wherever they're coming from in Canada, mostly in Florida, but Arizona and California, if you're out in the West, whatever. And the Snowbirds uh, organization uh, lobbies to protect the rights of people so that this amount, so the Snowbirds, the creation of a conservative bunch of people I know, tied to uh, and associated with insurance companies who will help you cover the rest are quite upset about this because rates will go up for their seniors. And let's face it, most people are using health care overseas. They're over 60. The statistics well, are there. But they, they, they put out a news release. How much are the premium is going to go up? 2 to 7%? We don't percent? Know. But well, what I think is two to 7%, the good not note a huge on amount. this, and I, I know I'm supposed to be you know flailing my arms as somebody who spent years and years overseas. When I was a journalist working overseas, I always had Blue Cross, which is yep. an American insurer, probably the better ones in the world. And I learned very quickly that Ontario was not going to cover my bacon. If something happened to me, or if they did, it would be inconsequential. So I don't just depend on the credit card or the $23 you can sign for. If people have, if this makes people think about the fact that when they leave this jurisdiction, this country, they will not be covered, and it makes them buy insurance, that's great, because then people are aware of the issue. So I say to Doug Ford on this one, carry on, let's cut the money. Carry Absolutely. You're becoming more conservative. Yeah, what's going on with you? Common sense. Uh, quickly want to get to this one. Um, because <laughs> I'm glad you said that. For all this talk from liberals that white nationalism, you know, white uh, supremacy, neo-Nazism are the biggest threat facing us. Uh, during last month's G7 meeting of foreign affairs ministers in France, uh, Christian Freeland met with some, uh, some very stiff resistance from fellow attendees over this claim that she had made. And she pushed the G7 members to issue a joint statement after the mosque shootings that killed 50 people in Christchurch, New Zealand. And it didn't go out because they didn't agree with her. They said, you're overplaying that hand. So, you know, this notion that, you know, this is the biggest threat. It's not true. It's not. It's absolutely Doesn't mean not, it's not true. An issue. And Canadians know that. She's trying to sell that because it's a political message that they want to use for a re-election campaign. Yeah. But nobody's buying it. Nobody is buying that white supremacy is that big an issue in, in Canada. And they're just running around saying, you're all racist, you're all racist. It's not true, and Canadians know that, and hopefully they will reject this uh, at the ballot box. Well, they should. I mean, Senator Housakis was essentially, you know, he, when he was asked about this at a committee meeting where she was sitting, you know, he said, no, I don't think that neo-Nazism or white nationalism is, you know, threatening our existence here in Canada, because it is not, John. But again, that does not mean there's not issues we have to keep an eye on, but it's a false narrative they've created. There's a lot of hyperbole here, and Godwin's law, you know, when you bring Nazism into the argument immediately, and we discussed this last week, your whole argument falls apart, yeah. because when you run into a real Nazi, what are you going to call them? I would say this. One of the reasons I think that the liberals are bold on the spread is that there's data backing them up. There's a big poll by one of the big firms, I won't name it, came out last week. The numbers, the number of people, percentages of people in Canada who think we should either diminish or stop immigration from visible minorities, that would be non-white, Western, Eastern Europeans, has gone way up. It's gone way up. It's documented. I know, Bill, you're about to stroke out on me. No, Those I'm are just going to correct you. What's really interesting is that in the NDP, the numbers are going up as well, right? What's really interesting is the numbers in the Liberal Party are going up as well. So that's not white nationalism, but it is uh, it is a nationalist sentiment that says we have got to guard our gates a little more. The term is visible minorities. 
that that doesn't include Scotsmen and Gaelic folk like you, Bill, etc. Hey, that'd be right. <laughs> you know, unless you're wearing a kilt. Away you go, you muggy. You know. <laughs> anyway, well, you're holding the haggis, but 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 there uh, is a sense of fear amongst yeah. all political stripes in Canada. That well, we that's because when you let people hang. just randomly come in over dum, a fence, dum, dum, I, I, I've got to object to this poll because. A lot of people, what they're upset about is open borders, allowing people to illegally cross into our country. We yeah. have an immigration system, and and historically Canada has taken in more than its fair share of immigrants compared to any other country. Under the Conservatives, it was a quarter of a million a year. Now the Liberals have it over 350,000 a year. Canadians are welcoming to immigrants, and that's a fallacy to say that, that we don't want immigrants anymore. Well, now you know how the Aboriginals felt when we arrived. And on that note, all right, uh, no reconciliation on this one. All right, go. Uh, that is Bill Hutchison. Thank you, John Raz. Thank you very much. Gear on point on Global News Radio.